we begin the podcast today with some helpful advice on how to sort out a parking situation as long as the other person hasn't read the Bible. We go back and we read from the very first chapter of the Bible, and then we go back even earlier in the Bible than that. We discover why horologists, watchmakers, are often compared to God. I have yet another moment of confession, and then we get around to the good news, finally, all on the way to answering the question, what is the image of God? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. Humanity is, as the Bible tells us, made in the image of God, which is in and of itself just pretty darn cool. I mean, it's certainly something that would be well worth bragging about to your neighbor when he's complaining that you parked your car too far from the curb again. I mean, in theory, it would be the ultimate trump card in pretty much, well, any social situation. Your neighbor complains to you about your parking, and you just, well, not so casually mention, you know, don't you, that the person to whom you're currently speaking is made in the actual image of God, don't you? And since this is an incredibly impressive little tidbit and absolutely true to boot, it's pretty much also absolutely guaranteed to silence his complaints and eternally give you the upper hand in the relationship forevermore. Well, unless, of course, he happens to say one of these two, well, really annoying responses because they can kind of dismiss what you've just said. They have the power to absolutely eviscerate your moment of divinely inspired smug superiority. The first is if you tell him you're made in the image of God and he responds with, yeah, me too. Okay, this is a really annoying response because well, you were totally counting on his being biblically unaware and having never read the first chapter of the very first book of the Bible. Okay, so even if he hasn't read most of the Bible, maybe you should have thought about the fact that chances are he made it through the first couple of hundred words. I mean, he didn't even have to finish the first chapter to get to this little tidbit. So maybe it wasn't your best reckoning on what he might not know. Okay, but let's assume for a moment that the person to whom you are speaking has no zero knowledge of the Bible. The person, she or he, has never read the first chapter of Genesis, and you decide to play the ultimate power card by letting them know that you, you were created in the image of God. But instead of feeling frightened of your awesome powerfulness, they do the one thing, that one thing you're totally unprepared for. They get interested and they ask questions. Really? That's so cool. So tell me, because this is really interesting, tell me exactly, exactly how are you made in the image of God? I, I just am, okay? And that's all you really need to know. No, really, this is so cool. Tell me how you are like the image of God. The Bible tells me so, all right? Ooh, ooh, I want to see. Show me where it says that. Which you obviously can't show them because then they read the passage and discover that they, too, are included. So here's the problem. 
If you're being honest with yourself, you know that you're made in the image of God. Matter of fact, you even know that your neighbor is too. Of that, you're certain. You're not going to tell him, but you're certain. But beyond that, well, your knowledge gets kind of fuzzy, to be perfectly honest. So, so let's figure this out. When in doubt, let's turn to the actual passage of Scripture that we're talking about. So it's Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and it says, Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. All right, then immediately following this passage, there are a bunch of instructions on what God expects humanity to do. So what do we learn here about the image of God? Well, the one point that is unequivocal and abundantly clear is that both men and women are made in the image of God. What? Yep, there absolutely isn't any wiggle room on this one. Listen again. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Matter of fact, this one verse is kind of strangely worded in that it repeats itself. It kind of says the same thing in three different ways. Just mostly by changing the word order, it's kind of like when a parent is leaving instructions for their teenager because they will be gone for the weekend and they are leaving the kid at home alone. So they say to the kid, you are not allowed to have any friends in the house. And then they rephrase, no one other than you may come into the house while we are gone. It's what you do when you know there's almost certainly going to be a problem in the future regarding something, whatever it is, and you're hoping to head it off, to head off any confusion by saying it in multiple different ways. So the Bible tells us, so God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It's almost as if there is an assumption on God's part that we're going to get this one wrong and try to assume that only one gender is made in the image of God and the other is of lesser status or something. That's so strange, don't you think? So we've learned what should have been obvious. Everyone, men and women, are made in the image of God. So we know who's included, but we're still a little fuzzy on the particulars of what it means to be made in the image of God. So rather than reading further in the book of Genesis, perhaps we should go back to the beginning the very beginning of the book of Genesis. So the very first verses say, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening. And there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. 
And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Now I'm going to skip forward a couple of verses here to the fifth day of creation. God said, Let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it, according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in numbers and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. Okay, so what have we learned about God from this passage, the very beginning of Scripture? Well, quite a lot, actually. From the very first words of Scripture, we learn something key, essential about the nature of God. It is at the very core of God's nature. From the very beginning, God has a drive to create and to give life. Matter of fact, in our own modern understanding of God, we are, most of us, deeply influenced by an idea called deism. Deism, the idea that God created the world, well, like a watchmaker makes a watch. The watchmaker is deeply involved in the creative process, and then once the creative part is done of building the watch, the watchmaker winds it up, winds up this new creation, and lets it continue on its own no longer involved in the moment-to-moment aspects of its existing. Much in the same way, we tend to believe in our modern minds that God has created the universe with the laws of physics to continue on their own, and God has to some degree stepped back to watch the creation take a life of its own. You can even get a sense of this, those of us who are believers in God, when we talk about miracles, miracles in essence, a belief that God is somewhere distant and is breaking in to change things. That very nature means that God isn't actively involved. And that's where we need to come back to. Because this idea of deism or our idea of the world today is really antithetical to what people who wrote down the stories of scripture would have understood. They would have understood that nothing can exist apart from God. So everything in existence, everything is here because God willed it to exist. And and equally important to that and to our understanding here is that if God even for an instant turned attention elsewhere, the entirety of creation would cease to exist. Creation exists because God continues to will it to exist. That means that every single moment of every single day, God is creating the world in which we live. God didn't create and give life at some point in the past. God is the eternal and ongoing creator and giver of life. Obviously, we aren't created in the image of God in the sense that someone says, and they often do to our daughter, well, you're the spitting image of your mother. Created in the image doesn't mean we look like God. It means we are created with some of the attributes of God. We are given the power to create and to give life. Now, no, we aren't God, so we certainly cannot 
create existence or life out of nothingness. But we have been gifted with memory, with reason and skill, and encouraged to use those gifts during our lives in the process of creating. We are given what is an almost godlike power in conjunction with our ability to create. We are given the ability to give life or to diminish life with our creative abilities. Obviously, again, we can't give life in quite the same sense as God does. But every single year, every month, every day, every moment, every breath we take is a creative one. Even if you don't intend to create, your existence leaves a powerful wake of influence, sometimes, maybe even often, regardless of what you intend. Look, if I'm going to be honest, I will have to admit that my life, well, is a bit of a mixed bag. There are moments when I've been very intentional about trying to choose a life that is life-giving to those who are encountering the wake that I am leaving. Other times, I've been thoughtless, lazy, even cruel. And the wake of my life has actually been the antithesis of life-giving. It has been life-diminishing to those who encounter it. What's the nature of God? Well, it seems pretty clear to me that Scripture intends us to understand God to be a creator and a life-giver. And we are created in that image. Now, is this knowledge a gift or a burden? And Well, it seems to me that it's one of those things that we may be likely to say initially, hey, hey, I don't, I don't want all of that responsibility. But then, then if we take a moment, I think this awareness can be a gift in and of itself. Look, I don't know about you, but I find myself in lots of situations in which I have to make choices, well, every day. I'm going through the checkout aisle in the grocery store, say, and the person ringing up my groceries is being unpleasant. And I have a choice. In that moment, I have a choice. Am I going to give or to take? Am I going to try and create a moment that is life-giving and sustaining in this encounter? Or in my hurt or disappointment in that moment, in my response to the other person's unpleasantness, am I going to try to hurt them in return, try to diminish them or vanquish them? I am going to create a moment, a life-giving moment or a moment that diminishes life. But I will be creating something in that moment. I need to choose. Now, I don't know about you, but I have chosen both paths many times in life. And I have never, not one single time, felt good about my choice when I decided to vanquish or diminish the other person. Oh, in the moment, I might feel self-righteous, but I've never, I've never felt good about it later. Why? Well, because I have been created in the image of God, and I have, in that moment, chosen to go against my God-given, God-created self choose to be a positive, creative force in life. Choose to affirm and give life and love the people you encounter in your life every day, and you will be filled with joy. Why? Why is that? Well, it's simple. 
because you were created in the image of God. Hey, it's who you were meant to be. That's all for today. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you get notified of future episodes. Also, you can find me on Facebook and YouTube. Just search for Sky Pilot Faith Quest. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is dan at skypilot, S-K-Y-P-I-L-O-T, one word, dan at skypilot.zone. Remember, on your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for listening to Sky Pilot Faith Quest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.